My name is Matt Brown. Well, I'll tell you what I know. It's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. And let's start the show. everybody the world is a better place because you are here to join us my name is matt brown and i am the host of the productive conversations podcast it is tuesday march 22nd 2022 and we have a mesmerizing podcast talking all things free agency in the world of the nfl and the mlb this is a show you do not want to miss and a show i am very proud of seriously this was everything i hoped for and then some but before we get into this significant episode of this show just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasted platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on productive conversations podcast.com and don't forget to check us out in the world of social media we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast we're on twitter at prod we are on tiktok at productive conversations So as I was saying, and what I am about to talk about with the great Alex Rinellio and Alex Young, this show is all things free agency. We talk about the big and significant moves in the NFL offseason. A lot of big names have switched teams, and this whole league has turned upside down. And we're going to talk about the free agency moves regarding baseball and in the MLB after the lockout was lifted just a couple weeks ago. We are now going to get into the big moves that followed the end of the lockout. So with baseball, you're talking about, you know, Max Scherzer going to the Mets, Chris Bryant going to the Rockies, Freddie Freeman going to the LA Dodgers. We get into the New York Yankees and their lack of moves instead of Correa, Trevor Story, and Freeman that all Yankee fans were hoping we would get at least one of them. But instead, they got players like Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Anthony Rizzo's returning and how that is both disappointing for the Yankees, but maybe there's a little hope, or I should say disappointing in Yankee fans. Then we go into football and how the NFL is king, where these moves are bigger stories in the sports world than the NCAA March Madness tournament right now. When you have players like Aaron Rodgers announce he's coming back to Green Bay, Tom Brady going back to Tampa. Then you have significant moves like Devontae Adams to the Raiders, Khalil Mack to the Chargers. The list goes on and on and on. And let me throw a little disclaimer. We recorded this on Sunday night, Alex Ranelio and Alex Young. There were some significant moves that took place on Monday that weren't mentioned in the show, but I'm going to talk about them right now. For one, you have Matt Ryan getting traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick. After a truly devastating collapse for the Colts in the final three games of the year and missing a playoff spot, they get rid of Carson Wentz. They bring the veteran Matt Ryan to the table, who has playoff experience, who really should be a Super Bowl winner. He's not responsible for that loss. Dan Quinn and the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff is responsible for that loss and a poor defensive effort at the end of that game, blowing a 28-3 lead. But you have an established quarterback with a great arm who did not play bad last year, was just on a bad team. And like how Matt Stafford, the veteran quarterback, went to Los Angeles and went to Super Bowl with the Rams, maybe Indianapolis can follow the same suit with Matt Ryan coming to join the Colts. Then you also have Marcus Mariota go to the Atlanta Falcons instead. 
a guy who was so promising out of college and has been a journeyman ever since playing for like Tennessee and the Raiders, for instance. And then you have Jameis Winston going back to the Saints, who was playing really well until he got hurt at the midpoint of the season. And now we're just going to see where Jimmy Garoppolo is going and Baker Mayfield. It seems the only two teams left that need a solid quarterback. The Seattle Seahawks have an open position and the Houston Texans. We will see if one of those two quarterbacks go over there. But besides the names I just mentioned, Literally, Alex, the two Alexes and myself talked about every significant move throughout the entire NFL. We talk about the big moves that took place in baseball as well. And this is a great show talking all things sports. And as I mentioned, something I'm very proud of because of how informative we were. Great takes throughout the next hour. And it was just a lot of fun to do. Uh, podcasting is very valuable, my friends. I really suggest people get into it where you record your thoughts during a significant time, whether it's sports like this or news or wherever. Podcasting is valuable for stuff like this, for moments like this where we can show our talents. We could show how articulate we are with our thoughts. We could show how professional we can be as well. And there's no reason why we can't compete with any other podcasts. Whether you're a part of my take, a Joe Rogan, a caller, daddy, anything the Nerdist does or the Ringer podcast, productive conversations can keep up with the giants in the podcasting world. And I really believe deep down in my heart, no matter when that day comes, the Productive Conversations podcast name will be just as big as the shows I mentioned, and we will still be inspired by them. And one day our idols will become our rivals, but ultimately we are here to create content, be a good distraction for those who need it, and ultimately entertain, inform, and inspire each and every one of you, the productive nation, and beyond that. So with that, Alex Ranelio, Alex Young, it's your guys' turn again. Let's talk all things NFL free agency, all things MLB free agency, and enjoy each other's company while we do it. So let's get to it. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Christmas came early for the sports fan. This past week, we have seen so many moves throughout the National Football League and Major League Baseball. Literally, both leagues are pretty much turned upside down with many different rosters on many different teams. So in this historic offseason, we need to put our take out there for it. So I have two of the best great friends of the show. Alex Ranelio is here. What's up? And Alex Young has joined us. What's going on? What's up? Happy to be here again. Happy to be back, Matt. Let's do it. I love it. We have a great all-star team right here, right now. So let's get to it. I, I think, you know, it's funny. We have the March Madness tournament going on right now as we're recording it. See Duke and Michigan tied at 65. Um, but yet they weren't the biggest stories. They weren't the biggest news stories in sports. It was mostly these NFL deals. And I mean, it's really hard to pick a place to start with all these significant moves being made. But I guess we have to start with the one division that every single team upgraded the most. Let's start this podcast with the AFC West, where all four teams made significant, made significant moves on both sides of the ball. I mean, just to sum it up, 
We have Russell Wilson joining the Denver Broncos. He's going to be the quarterback there. The Chargers get Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson on the defensive side. Juju Smith-Schuster joins the Chiefs. And then the Raiders, not only with Max Crosby coming back, you have Chandler Jones returning, and then arguably the very best wide receiver in the NFL right now, Devontae Adams, joins his BFF in Derek Carr, and he has joined the Vegas Raiders as well. So, I mean, where do we start with this? We have a Raiders fan in the building right now. So I'm going to throw this out there. From all the moves that I just said, which team truly upgraded the most? I'll um, I'll throw it to the Raiders fan, who I'm sure has a lot of fanfare to express. Do you think your fan, do you think your team has improved the most? Or do you see it more objectively you could pick one of the other three teams? Yeah, I always side on the uh, on the uh, offensive objectivism. Um, I, I would lo- love to say that my team won the upgrade battle this offseason, but uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to yet um i think a lot of it's speculation a lot of it's big big names huge acquisitions but we're not sure where the players are in their career i mean chandler jones he's been in the league for a long time tyra matthew's been in the league for a long time mm-hmm. Devontae's still in his prime so that's probably the biggest lock of all these new acquisitions as well as russell wilson but we don't know how much khalil mack has in the tank left he's been in the, he's been you know in decline the past two or three years um I'm just, it's hard for me to go that we won in the division, but it clearly shows that this, that the AFC West is not only the toughest division by far um, supplanting the NFC West of last year, but it almost feels like a nuclear arms race. It feels like it's going to be 30 plus point games shootouts for everybody across the board. So I think every team was kind of responding to one another in real time and only time will tell how, much the acquisitions will increase their um, their win total this year. Excellent points. I think that's one thing that is so exciting when a deal happens. You know, it's that first attraction. You fall in love with what's on paper, but then you have to actually experience what's going to happen. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But Mr. A. Young, how do you feel about the AFC West uh, it's going to be crazy this year, I think, the AFC West. Um, but I, I think it all started with the move of Russell Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. One, he came into the AFC West. You look at all the four quarterbacks. They're all Pro Bowl caliber MVP candidates from top to bottom, right? So it's just now it's like, how are you going to combat this? Because it wasn't just, oh, you got to go against Mahomes. You got to go against <clears throat> Justin Herbert. You got to go against Derek Carr. Now you're adding Russell Wilson to the equation mm-hmm. twice yeah. a year. So it was just crazy how all these teams are, like we saw the Chargers, get some pieces on defense, right? They know they have their guy, their offense is clicking. They gave Mike Williams, their wide receiver, a big extension. They just need a defense because they have to figure out, playing these guys twice a year, how they're going to stop every single quarterback because every single quarterback, like I said, is a pro bowler or an MVP candidate, right? So it's just going to be a wild shootouts. Like I said, big back and forth. These teams are gearing up on defense because you really need both sides of the ball. The Chiefs can't just be an offensive-driven team this year because who they're playing, right? So it's really interesting to see. I can't really pick a team that's made the biggest improvement because all these teams have made incredible adjustments on what this big news was of Wilson going to Denver. And like Alex said, I think we have to see how these teams are 
either in preseason a little bit and how these guys gel. I know preseason is a little bit tough because you don't really see a lot of reps. But once like week one, week two, week three comes along, then we can kind of start seeing what these teams are. So I can't really pick a team that's made a significant move because all four teams, like you listed, Matt, have made significant moves on both sides of the ball. So it's very, very tough to pick like the Raiders one or whatever because there's so much talent in the AFC West that happened in this offseason. I think there's a great chance that the AFC championship will have an AFC West team in it. And you, and you got to look at the predisposition of these teams too. Like everyone was kind of vying for playoff spots until about week 16, week 17. So it's really hard to measure those upgrades in addition to the results of last season. Um, But it's kind of funny to watch because I, you know, I kind of, you know, cynically characterize it as uh, a nuclear arms race. When you look at the weaponry on offense and defense of all these teams, you know, com- um, fighting against each other in the off season, but it almost feels like, like almost like divorced jilted lovers. Cause it's like, okay, Khalil Mack goes to the chargers. He was like our best player in the past 15 years outside. <laughs> and then you got Tyron Matthew leaving the chiefs, going to the Raiders. And then you got Devonte reuniting with Derek Carr from Fresno state. And then, you know, you just got all this blood going back and forth. It's like, this is going to be wild. Can't ask for anything more. And again, that's why NFL is key to have these matchups. And this will be truly a case of may the best man win or the best men in this case with the AFC West. Now let's talk some quarterbacks. First, we'll talk about the old guys in the room. Two guys announced this past week that they are returning to their respective teams. You guess who I'm talking about. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, the last ones of a generation with Ben Roethlisberger retiring this season now. So, <laughs> may I say, do you guys win? We'll start with Brady on this one. Were you guys like, oh, not again. That great meme from Breaking Bad. He can't keep getting away with this. Were you guys... <sighs> Annoyed to see Tom Brady come back for a for a twenty third season at the age of forty three, or are you happy? We still need some more Tom Brady left. We need to. Uh, he needs to literally play until he can't walk again, and hopefully that doesn't happen. But we will. Are you excited to see Brady back, or are you like enough is enough? Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see him back because I felt like he still had more years left. And, and I know I talked with you, Matt, and I know I talked to a lot of my friends and everything. I think the media is saying that he had like three or four years left, as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> got to him, and he kind of, I think, and I know it was only two months of retirement, but I think he kind of was just thinking like, man, you know, it's like, I still have the, the weapons are still there. This team is still built. It's like, I added Julio Jones to, yeah. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I could still do something here. And I feel like that's what it was. It wasn't like we saw him over the hub, like Ben Roethlisberger, right? We knew this was kind of like his last year. He, he was kind of out of gas and, you know, maybe one last run, but it didn't happen. We all felt like, wow, when he announced his time, we're like, he still has some time. So I was one of the guys like, oh, man, not again. You know, I respect Brady so much, um, and it's great to have him here. I, I think he just won one last run, and, and I think if the Bucs do win the title – I think that's it. I think I think he just wanted to see if he could get back there the way he's played. So I'm not sure that he's back. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he measures up, you know, especially with all these, you know, NFC teams gearing up. Uh, <laughs> the, the Not expecting him to be back, but now he's back. So it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge for him, but I'm excited to see him back. 
Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that he had so much unfinished business. I think when you lose to what ultimately became the Super Bowl champions, I think that leaves a competitive sour taste in his mouth. I think that that definitely drove him as he sat idly for two months at home. Um, <laughs> I think that it's kind of ironic because they're probably the only two like legit top tier quarterbacks still remaining in the NFC. I mean, you could definitely stratify it once you get to Dak and, and, um, and other quarterbacks in the, in the NFC, but it's really not a lot of competition. So Brady may have been reassessing the field and the field of play and competition saying, Hey, you know, things are wide open. They've never been this wide open. And I saw Aaron Rodgers' shortcomings last season and now with the Devontae trade, I think he's just kind of salivating a bit, saying that this is probably the easiest path I may have um, for the remainder of my my for the remainder of my career. So it would be stupid not to come back to the game. And you know, just for the the monetary purposes of it, like this guy spent multiple millions of dollars on his body. It's like you want to squeeze every ounce of juice out of that that fruit. So I think a lot of that was driving his decision as well. Um, it'll be interesting to play out because. I feel like the the field of play is deeply, deeply suppressed in the NFC. So I think it's really a toss-up when you start looking at division winners and losers this coming season. Definitely. And also, you know, Chase issued that with Aaron Rodgers as well, that as we just talked about how the AFC is going to be a real battle, you have a better chance to uh, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl in Vegas this upcoming uh, February if – things work into place with Aaron Rodgers and you know, the move was made four more seasons uh, that also was speculated that Devonte wouldn't be there anyways. That last day, that cryptic last dance post, I guess wound up being true after all. And I guess now we'll see what the Packers do in the draft. They haven't really signed a big name yet. As we record this show, uh, I don't, do they really trust in Valdez Scantling or guys like that? Say Brown. Um, do you think ultimately though, that Aaron Rodgers will win a Super Bowl in this last contract? Just a blunt question like that. Yes or no. Is he winning a Super Bowl? And hell no. Hell no. From <laughs> Benelio. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, wow. Yeah. It's just, especially after the Devontae Adams move. I, I, I just don't understand what the Packers are doing anymore. <laughs> um, so uh, it's just like, uh, I have no idea. So I, I don't think they're going to win another one just the way some of these teams are building right now. I, I don't mean to play devil's advocate because I think that both sides were to blame with the Aaron Rodgers um, and Green Bay Packers separation over the past few years, just in terms of miscommunication. I think they're probably assessing Devontae's career trajectory and understanding that he's not going to sign on for a short term deal that they're going to have to lock him up for multiple years. And the organization's ultimately going to take the brunt of that in the last year of that contract. So in order to line him up in pairs with Rogers, um, Devante is probably looking at it amicably as well and saying, look, I have plenty of years in the tank. I want to go play free um, out of the cold tundra and play with who I want to play with. So I think some of that played into the decision as well. All right. Well, I would have to say if Rodgers ultimately retires without a ring, he'll be one of the most disappointing athletes, despite being one of the best to ever do it as well. Could have won more. And I'm pulling for him. I really actually think that this is it with Aaron Rodgers getting paid close to 50 million a season with this deal. 
He can he's still got it clearly. He's won back to back MVPs. And if they get the right weapons around him once and for all, maybe also a solid tight end as well. I think that's one huge thing that's missing in his system. Then uh I think Aaron Rodgers will win a final Super Bowl in his polarizing career. I think the issue is that it's a salary cap lead too. And if you put all your eggs in your basket on one salary, it's never really proven to work. Um, That was the biggest criticism with Dak last season, whether he deserved the money or not. So, you know, I I don't look at a decline in his play per se, but I just think being bereft of weapons on the offense and having so much money in one contract, it's going to really hamstring the organization. Mm -hmm. I completely agree going off that too. It's just that I was talking to some people and it's like, you know, I always said Rodgers would do the money he, he, he deserves and stuff. But there comes a time, especially now in the twilight end of his career, where he's made a boatload of money, that he should sacrifice some of his pay for the better of the team. We saw Brady do it. We've seen Ben Roethlisberger do it. We've seen other, you know, top quarterbacks do it for the benefit of their team. And now, like you said, the Packers are strapped uh, for cash. That's why they probably made the move for Devontae Adams. They'll probably draft another receiver in the first round, get him on, you know, whatever they pick get him on a lower salary and hope it works out. But yeah, it's just wild to me. And, and Matt, I completely agree with you. You know, you look at it, he only has one Super Bowl. The other pack quarterback that was great that has one Super Bowl, Brett Favre. And a lot mm-hmm. of us, he probably could have won more as well. Um, so it's just kind of weird that the guy that mentored Aaron Rodgers and he only gets one Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers. So I, I just don't see it, especially the money they're paying Aaron Rodgers. It's really going to, like Alex said, handicap this team going forward on moves to be competitive. I mean, they could draft well and hope everything works out, but it make big splashes to get over the hump like we saw the Rams just do and win a Super Bowl that way. I can't see the Packers be doing that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Rodgers going forward here. Absolutely. And speaking of other quarterbacks, just some other things I want to talk about. First, we have to talk about the uh, huge story that came out at the end of the week last week. Deshaun Watson, he gets cleared of from a grand jury regarding the cases against him regarding sexual misconduct. There are no criminal charges coming his way, which allows him now to play next season. Ultimately he's eligible though. People are expecting him to be suspended for breaking the conduct anyways for the NFL. But despite that, and after interviewing with various teams like Carolina and Atlanta, Deshaun Walt, Deshaun Watson ultimately gets traded to the Cleveland Browns and then they restructured a deal, but including that deal, they also send three first round picks to Houston and two other picks. So I think this is their opportunity. They saw we could really rebuild with those picks ultimately. And, um, but yeah, Deshaun Watson is ultimately going to be a Brown while Amari Cooper is going over there as well. Uh, assuming there is a suspension, maybe four to six games, then after that, do you think that this Browns team can still make a deep playoff run again with what they got? And does he make that team better? Yeah, I mean, I think he does. Um, obviously, there's there's other stuff going on with Deshaun Watson. We're not going to dive into all that, but he still has, you know, 20 plus, uh, you know, civil cases against him. So we see what mm-hmm. happens with that. And supposedly recently off him that the some of the defendants there, his attorneys, they said the Browns didn't contact him about anything like that. That's all stories that we're hearing of, 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 as, of this, as of this recording. Um, but it's interesting to see 
the Browns make this move. This is something that we don't really see the Browns do. Um, you know, they they have a talented roster. They obviously have Baker Mayfield. Now that's the question mark. Where is he going to go? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were successful with him, but, you know, he was injured this year, and now a lot of people said, let's move on. So they get Watson, which is definitely an upgrade. Um, they get Amari Cooper as well to have that duo start. I think, you know, depending on how many games Watson gets, I think the Browns can hang on and then make a run. I don't see them making a deep run this year because of what the X amount of games he's going to get suspended for. They don't really have a great backup quarterback situation. Don't think they're going to keep Baker to be their backup quarterback. Um, So um, I don't see them making a deep player from this year, but I think this move was something that they can see over the next few years, the next five, you know, the big extension he got. This is what happens. We'll see what happens this year, but from year two to the end of your contract, we want this to happen, and I think the Browns could be a steady contender um, out of the AFC going forward after this season. And if you were a Browns fan, would you want that? Would you be okay with waiting that long? I mean, they've been waiting forever. <laughs> Finally made the playoffs a couple of years ago, but that's a cursed fan. But if you were a Browns fan, would you be okay with this? I think so. Um, I, you know, you you get a top five at the end of the day when healthy you get a top ten if not top five quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. You know that going forward you most likely would be successful. You have one more blimp on the radar that allows you to get. I mean they trade the draft pick so you get maybe one more blimp on the radar. They could be a wild card team. We don't know. Like I said, we have to see what happens here. But it also depends on what the Browns fans' feeling towards Sean Watson if they're going to be accepting of him coming to the organization. That's another issue. Well, we've seen with some of these fans in that situation, but I think if you're, you know, just obviously not thinking of what was happening, if you're just saying I'm getting Deshaun Watson, the quarterback and not, you know, everything else that's going on right now, I think you could wait another year to be successful. I think, they, I think Cleveland could wait. Um, and they know their future is bright, right? They know they have their guy locked in for sure over these next few seasons. <laughs> at least. So uh, I, I can't see them being upset about getting a guy as young as a Sean Watson, as good as a Sean Watson is as a quarterback. I think they can wait another year if that's the case. Who knows? But like I said, they could be a wild card team. They could go on a run without him. And then he just comes in, they go on a big winning streak. So anything can happen in football. So we just have to wait and see on this one. Yeah, totally, completely agree. Um, this, this kind of feels like, this kind of feels like the, the classic gap year that people take in college between high school. I think it's like the organization kind of coming out with a stance like, you know, fans, we've, we've demonstrated that we can be competent as an organization. We're going to take a year to get everything back in place and um, successfully kind of pivot into the future and, you know, exhaust all our options and, and, and weigh all of our, um, all our options and, and make the right decisions for the long term. You guys have been patient. We appreciate it. Uh, that seems like the messaging um, from the marketing perspective with all these acquisitions and the, and the trade. So I like the move. I mean, there's no dispute that he can't play. He's going to be tremendous when he comes back. He may be a little rusty the first four weeks of the season, but um, despite all that, I like the move a lot. I think it's the reason I characterize it as, you know, the classic gap year is because Cincinnati's not going anywhere. And even though the Ravens are pivoting and they're kind of scrambling to fill out the roster, um, they're still going to be, you know, vying for that second spot in the division. And with the AFC West 
loaded and the Bills staying where they are. Um, it just seems like the AFC is just so tremendously top heavy as is. I think this is going to be a great year to reboot this offense, get Deshaun assimilated and um, see where they are in terms of the power rankings uh, for the following season. You know, what was funny about this deal after Baker Mayfield, you know, noticed that somebody was flirting with another team. He's ready to throw in the towel, wrote that premature, uh, <laughs> message out on Twitter saying goodbye and he's done stuff. And after that, the Browns said, no, we're not going to trade you. You are our guy. And then 24 hours later, <laughs> they signed to Sean Watson and Baker, I guess was ultimately right to and not right, but he was onto something when he sent that message and it just shows there's no loyalty when it comes to these deals. It's business at the end of the day. And, who could really feel safe? Isn't that a funny thing to, uh, to wasn't that a funny thing to notice? They just completely went a 360 on that. Yeah. And it felt like it felt like Deshaun wasn't going to go to Cleveland. Cause I remember he yeah. was like it met with him. He left and it didn't look like way. And then like 24 hours later, we all woke up and it was like, he got traded and we're all like, wait, he, he didn't say like, what? I don't know. And then we saw the Baker stuff and we're at, it was just so confusing. And yeah, like you said, Matt, it was just like, yeah, Cleveland was like, yeah, Baker, we're staying with you. And then Deshaun's like, hey, I, I actually want to come to Cleveland. And they're like, oh, yeah, no no problem. All right, sorry, Baker. We're just going to trade this guy, give him a massive extension. We'll figure out what we we'll do with you. <laughs> it was just so weird over the span of 24 hours that it's like, we're not trading Baker, we're not trading Baker. Deshaun Watson wants to come here? Yeah, screw you, Baker. Yeah, let's do it. Like It was just, it was just <laughs> a very, very weird thing that happened. It shows that everybody has a price. And ultimately, any team could get any player they want if they're willing to throw the cash at them. Hands down. And besides that, where do we see Baker Mayfield going? With teams available like the Saints, the Colts, Seattle, Houston, though I was surprised you'd think if they would make that deal, he'd be a part of that trade ultimately on top of the picks. But he wasn't. Do we see uh, Baker going to any of these teams? Or I should say, where do we see him going on one of these teams? Or will he be the backup if they want to be that cruel, which I don't expect? And he requested the trade. Uh, Alex, I'll let you lead off with this one if you want. You want to dive in on this one? (laughs) Matt, you cut out a little bit towards the end. What was the question again? Where do you expect to see Baker Mayfield go? Oh, I mean, since he's on it, you know, he's open for a short-term contract. You know, I, I see any of the bottom feeder teams signing him, honestly. Um, that's not disrespect to Baker. I just think circumstantially in the best interest of those organizations, he's probably the best fit um, contractually. Uh, I don't think he's going to be – I think – his fit, like his value in his mind is going to be beyond a backup. So I think all the backup spots are past his, are off the table. So I'm looking at, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, there's not a lot of teams that need quarterbacks in the first place, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe Houston <laughs> do a little, a little trade, a little switch, switch up. I expect him to go to Indy. Carson Wentz was traded to Washington. I think that's a good system set for him. That team just ultimately collapsed in their final three games of the season that cost them. 
And I think that's the best fit, if not Seattle, if they're deciding not to rebuild. But they really didn't make any moves that indicates that they're keeping the roster relatively the same. You still have players like with the exception of Bobby Wagner going. And, um, you know, when you have DK Metcalf, you make anyone look good. So I guess Seattle or Indy would be ideal. Real quickly before you go, Alex, um, my, my, my rebuttal to that, Matt, is if you're Indianapolis, if you're Frank Wright, I mean, if you're, if you're that front office, how can you look at him objectively speaking and say this guy can contribute to winning games because he had a top five offensive line, he had the best weapons in the league, arguably, with any other team, and he had a defense to complement his offense. So it's really difficult to put him in a position where he should be able to win if you're an organization trying to shell him out of contract. My rebuttal to that was he was injured last year and a down year, bad shoulder injury. I think that did cost him. He definitely did decline, did not look like a first round pick of a first overall pick. And I think that has something to do with it. He's had playoff playoff success before in the past. You know, if things went differently, he could have knocked out the Chiefs last season. I think that is something to really uh, take note of. And if things work out for this mobile quarterback with a very good offensive line led by Quentin Nelson with Indy, I think that would be a win on both sides for Indianapolis specifically. I, I okay. agree, Matt, um, with, with Indy. I, I think that's like the, the perfect place if he wants to win now. And I mm-hmm. have to think if, if, if that's not the case, then that has to be one of the, the bottom two teams that are needed quarterback. The problem is there's not a lot of places for that. Um, and, right. and again, it's also what value does the league have? If Indy wants to make a move for him, are they willing to give up a first round pick? You know, they gave a first round pick to get Carson Wentz in the first place. Is that something they want to do again? Or did they learn from their mistake? Um, you know, so Indy, I feel is, is a situation of if we can get him for like a low cost second round pick third or fourth, whatever combo, some picks like later in the draft. Maybe that's the move they make, but at the end of the day, it all depends on what Cleveland values him and where Baker wants to go. Because, again, Baker may not want to go to Indy, and then that's the whole issue. He gets traded there, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to play for you. You know, you got to move me to some other place. And and like you said, Matt, I don't think Seattle is in play. I think they're going into a, a new transition rebuild mode, especially moving Russell Wilson and then letting Bobby Wagner go. And I understand that Wagner was the money move, you know, kind of deal like we, we often see. But it looks like they're just trying to change direction here um, and start over again. Um, so there's very limited spots. There's a lot of good quarterbacks play. I know the Giants got brought up. I don't want to dive into that. I know the Giants people say, "Why do the Giants do that?" Don't see them doing that as well because again, it's it's what what are the expectations you're gonna get from Baker? Are you gonna get him from a few years ago where he looked like a franchise quarterback, or is he still gonna be banged up? Still gonna have a sometimes a gunslinger mentality or misreads? And and again, Frank Rice the kind of guy that doesn't tolerate any of that. So you know, over in Indianapolis, so it's gonna be very interesting to see what what they do and and what Baker values have and what Cleveland's gonna be asking to, to move on from Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and one thing I want to hit on too with you mentioning the Giants, I think that I'm very happy that it, it seems like, you know, with the combination of Brian Dable and Joseph Shane, that we are rebuilding and acknowledging it as a rebuild. And, you know, adding offensive linemen like John Feliciano from the Bills, uh, Mark Lewinsky from the Colts, those are big, important moves. He's going to have, we're going to have a quarterback 
battle, it seems, with Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor being after him be, getting signed, restructuring a lot of the deals like um, Sterling Shepard, taking a massive pay cut. Um, um, Blake Martinez took a pay cut. I think it's time to oddly relax in the sense that we can uh, at least take our time with this. Are you excited for these moves? Are you ready to finally at least acknowledge a rebuild, Alex, as the other giant fan in the room? Yeah, yeah for, for sure I am. I mean, I, I'm happy that we're getting the GM like that we, we needed, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, with with Gettleman being kind of the brash, I'm not going to do this, this, that, and you know we're going to get hog mollies, and then he never lives that on that promise of building this offensive line, right? We never had a sustainable offensive line for for a while now. Shane came in, he's like, I'm not going to make these big moves. Uh, same with Dable, you know, we're going to build this team and make the parts that are important, hit things that are important. Salary cap being the huge issue. Dave Gellman left us in a salary cap hell. We're still dealing with his repercussions <laughs> from that. And Shane is trying to figure out how he can do that. Is that moving James Bradbury and some deals and getting some of these vets gone and all this stuff? So he has a lot of work. But for what we've seen, it looks like there's there's promise here, right? Like making moves on offensive line. We, you know, low cost guys, but can have high impact. Like smart moves like that. You know, I'm finally fine being rebuilt. I'm finally fine with, you know, you know, everyone has to calm down with this whole, you know, we got to make a move for Russell Wilson and, 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 and we got to make a move, you know, for Baker and all this stuff that sounds all oh, Deshaun Watson. And that's also great. But me and you, me and you, Matt, we've talked, you know, off air before. It's like the giants are not going to win. So why are these quarterbacks going to come here and be in the same situation? Russell Wilson came yeah. here, he's running for his damn life. Baker Mayfield comes here, he's running for his yep. damn life. It just, you're not going to win right now. So the fact that Shane's comes in and, and, and Dave as well says, we're going to build a team from the ground up, but we're going to be smart about it. I'm not just going to fly draft picks away and do all this stuff. It shows up. There's promise here in this next few years with Joe Shane behind and leading the way. And we got to see what he does with the draft. But from what I'm seeing right now, it's all the moves we want to see. Get offensive line depth, get some extra weapon depth. Mm-hmm. You know, I know tight ends a big question mark when you dive into some of that, but like there's things here that we're finally realizing that we're getting a GM that understands this team is not great. And we got to work from the ground up and with this new head coach that hopefully there's promise here to get a few wins and, and hopefully more than four or whatever we've gotten, but build a team smart, build a team. Like we saw with the bills they started off slow. They built this team now, and now they're a contender in the AFC every single year. So, you know, it's just like we have to, we, you know, I know use the old 76 or moniker, trust the process, but that's what we really have to do. <laughs> and, and this is like the move that we're seeing now. It looks like it's promising and, and I'm excited. And and I know it sucks that we're going to rebuild and we're probably going to suck a few more years, but, you know, there's things here that can work. And, you know, them giving Daniel Jones one more year. And if not, okay, we get our quarterback. It's a very quarterback heavy uh, draft next draft. Boom. We maybe land our guy next year's draft. But right now, let's be smart. See what we got, build this team up, and go from there. So you know, I'm 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 ready to go. I'm ready to watch this team and uh, and see where it goes. But I think the future is definitely bright with this this duo here. Yeah, nothing really showed that the Giants are close to a playoff team, and like you said, that's why we are playing it. Oh, that's why we're now playing a game where we have to refresh everything. <laughs> so. Just some other general things. And, you know, also just the last thing with the tight end position, Kyle Rudolph was cut. Evan Ingram's to Jacksonville. Again, that position is clearly open. We did sign from the Raiders. um, Okay. I can't remember his name, but uh, 
let me say that. Do 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 do. Wish I could tell you. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, Ricky Seals Jones was signed. While Washington. Yes, he was signed. Only had two touchdowns on thirty catches for two hundred seventy-one yards. One of them was an incredible touchdown against the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. One of them was like the heartbreaker. I'm pretty sure. It was like oh, a yeah. jumping catch. I have to look and see and, and fact check that, but I'm pretty sure uh, that was one of his touchdowns. It was like an insane uh, was the same one. So we'll see what he has in the tank for the Giants. Yes, and again, that's, I think, another thing that the draft will be a focus on, and hopefully we hit, hit it big in like the second or third round for the tight end position. So just other things, just what are other – yeah, excuse me. Just to wrap things up with the NFL, some other moves that haven't been mentioned. Uh, how do we feel about Jacksonville? Trevor Lawrence now has a, the established coach, Doug Peterson, as we mentioned, throwing huge money to players like Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. Do we see Jacksonville playing any better than they did a season ago? Or do we think that they're going to suck again? Uh. <laughs> They're probably going to be bad again. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll be competitive. They'll probably add about five or they'll probably be around a five six mm-hmm. total win count. Um, but I don't expect them to change my life. Zimmer. Another thing, Cincinnati Bengals. The big weakness for this AFC team that made to the Super Bowl was their offensive line. They added Ogaby from the Dolphins, Lionel Collins from the Cowboys, just a day ago. Are the Bengals more intimidating after adding some weapons to their offensive line? I think so. Uh, I, I think I, I think they're going to be a, another team. I think that division is going to be another exciting one um, this year. You know, Lamar Jackson uh, coming hopefully be fully healthy this year. Obviously, we know what he can do. You know, um, Joe Burrow in the season last year. Deshaun Watson, and then we'll see what Mr. Biscay can do. I mean, the Steelers are the odd team out, but those three, the the other three Mm -hmm. are going to be battling every single week. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see, but everyone knew their weakness was their offensive line, and they luckily held together against the Rams to an extent. They kept that game close, Um, but then bolstering their offensive line, I think the Bengals are definitely a team to, to look out for for the AFC this year. Oh, yes. I totally hear that, and Von Miller, how about that insane six-year contract to go to Buffalo, where by the time he's done with it, he'll be 38 years old. Oh. Von Miller deserved this contract. Hell no. It was an immediate overreaction. It was the This is the equivalent of the Raiders signing Trent Brown to a multi-year deal after mm-hmm. being a, a stud backup in New England. Completely inflationary value. Um, no, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Like last year was an aberration. He was in the perfect spot at the right time in his career. Uh, but this was just robbery highway by the Rams. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Robbery highway. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. 33 years old. We see Bob Miller, obviously he's kind of on the decline. You give a six year deal to a 33 year old who started the climb in the twilight of his career, as great as Von Miller is, uh, it, it, and especially the money they gave him. I understand he won a Super Bowl winning mentality. He's won multiple Super Bowls winning mentality, one of the best defensive players we've ever seen. But yeah, just, uh, I think they're going to regret that contract in probably oh. two to three years. Uh, just knowing that. Two. 
yeah, uh, <laughs> just knowing that he's probably going to be in the climb. Who knows? He could have a few bounce back years, but six years for a 33 year old is <clears throat> defensive lineman is just insane. Just absolutely insane. So we'll see. Yeah. That's what the average fan doesn't understand. I mean, the three of us understand it, but when you have a long contract for an expensive old guy, that's like, that's contractual suicide. It's so hard to move. That's why sometimes you have to remember it's a business and you can't be loyal to certain players who don't provide that. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that led to the lockout in baseball, these long contracts. And one one small thing we before we move off on Miller, like I understand it, like devil's advocate, like the Bills needed a pass rusher really badly. And the draft, you know, they're probably looking at it half-heartedly, but they probably made this contract negotiation out of panic and fear. And they I think they're looking at the contract that they have with Josh Allen and the window of opportunity that's that's on that's in their hands at the moment. And I think that this was just a classic fear-based decision. I completely agree for sure on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also just the other thing, reigning champions, the Los Angeles Rams, they pick up Allen Robinson. And clearly this is a replacement for Odell Beckham who tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. So we might not see him at all this upcoming season. Do we think this move, does Allen Robinson bring an equal or a greater amount of pizzazz to this offense and for the Rams you think they could uh once again make a deep run with Allen Robinson as the number two option for Matthew Stafford I think so I like it a lot um I like that move a lot um you know they have Cooper Cup they had Allen Robinson who knows maybe Odell does come back on a a one-year deal you know maybe makes his tournament way through the year who really knows they traded Robert Woods uh, to the Titans. So, you know, I, I think they're trying to set up a nice one-two duo here uh, with someone, you know, with as great as Cooper Cup, who might have had arguably the greatest receiving season we've ever seen. Uh, oh, yeah. Last year. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous. You had a big body as his number two. I mean, defensive folks on Cooper Cup, you got a guy that's six three, six four, like Allen Robinson. You can throw 50-50 balls to him. I mean, he's an incredible receiver. I think it does give this Rams offense – Pizzazz is not more uh, adding one, two of, of those, those guys. Uh, it's got to be interesting to see this upcoming season, what they do, but it's going to, it's going to be pretty awesome to watch them. Yeah. I think it's a great move. Um, they kind of had to get a big body, you know, high jumping leaper of a, of a receiver guy that can beat one-on-one coverage on the outside to complement and pair with Cooper cup. The reason I'm hesitant to call it a home run of a move, um, not to conflate, sports analogies but because i think it's because we don't know how how, it's hard to quantify his numbers in chicago because he was playing a contract year so i'd like to see what he what they actually get for production out of him now that he's in a secure contract but with all that being said it's a it's definitely the smart move for the rams couldn't say it any better gentlemen great thoughts and all things football. Did we miss any? Did I miss any? Pretty much covered the whole realm, right? Yeah, pretty sure we did. Yeah. Well, Carson Wentz went to the commies. Well, yes, oh, yeah. yes, that's true. I'll briefly mention Carson Wentz. Is he uh, having his career dying? Did he go to Washington to have his career die? Reckon it was a trade. They must have really, they really didn't believe in him. They really, uh, they really uh, admit that it's done. 
does Carson West deserve this or is he getting disrespected? We have oh, he deserved it. He deserves it, clearly. I, I but, think so. Uh, but I, I, I don't see them as a – I don't see Washington as a threat with him. Uh, just <laughs> I'm like, oh, when the way the coach, I'm like, oh, maybe you bounce back, Frank Wright. All this. <laughs> in those last three weeks, I was like, I'm not afraid. Once I saw, it, I was like, you go to Washington, ah, whatever. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, I don't, I'm not afraid of him because you never know. He's such a wild card, and I think he kind of deserved it because that team had the playoffs in the bag, and because of his play, they choked and, and got out. So he kind of got deserved it. Yeah, go over there. We don't care what happens. <laughs> Good luck. Have fun. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah. I, I know Matt can attest to this because I was so pissed. They they left me so embarrassed high and dry before the last preseason. I had them being the upset team winning 13 games. And as soon as Fitzpatrick went down week one, I looked like a goddamn fool. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he definitely deserves what he brought to himself. I mean, he's definitely like um, a turnover machine and, and his second resurrection in Indianapolis didn't work out. But I just can't wait for all the entertainment value of just making pun-inspired joke after joke, being like, oh, we went to Washington where all the commies are. That's where people go to die. <laughs> oh, just sucks to suck. And no, uh, in all seriousness, like this, this is this is probably his last hope, his last breath. And um, I do wish him the best because I don't wish any bad on, on anybody besides people in the AFC West. So more power to him. No doubt about that. So let's switch gears. Talk about baseball after yeah. a very stressful lockout and agony waiting for the players to play. They're playing spring training games again. We're getting a full 162 game season. Major changes starting next season. There's going to be no more shift. A universal DH is going to happen this year. No more, sh- uh, no shift next season. Um, expanded playoffs. Uh, a lot of good. And uh, with that, there was uh, a whole off season that had to take place within one week. And I mean, from deals like, you know, Carlos Correa to Minnesota, uh, Trevor Story to Boston, Chris Bryant to the Rockies, lots of things took place. So let's quickly focus on the New York stuff and talk about their whole off season in general. Alex, this was the off-season, or I should say a young for this one. <laughs> this was the off-season of off-seasons as a Mets fan. You added Max Scherzer, Starling Marte in center, Mark Kahn in the outfield, Eduardo Escobar, Chris Bassett from Oakland, Stevie Cohen. Uncle Stevie is really treating you well, Alex. Yes. I mean, did he pretty much accomplish everything you wanted to see him accomplish this off-season? Oh, for sure. I, I mean, there's definitely some little moves. I think we need a lefty arm in the bullpen, mm-hmm. maybe a depth piece here and there. But for the core of the team, uh, this is something that we Mets fans have been asking for a while now, um, especially the last few years, knowing our deficiency in center field. You know, Stolmonte is up there. I know he's a little bit older, but still a great defensive center fielder. Has some you know contact numbers. Get him. Need another arm. Not expecting us to get Max Scherzer. I was expecting someone, you know, it's, but then all of a sudden it's like, Steve Cohen's like, I'm giving you all the money. Come to this one, two. Like and, I said, everyone has a price. Yeah, exactly. Uh, get Scherzer. Um, like I said, Marcana and Juan Escobar, two great depth pieces, can play the infield, um, can play, you know, the outfield as well. So overall for the offseason, I mean, I haven't been this excited in a really long time. And, and it also is that, and it's also the nerves of the Mets fan because – 
the baseball gods seem to just not like us. And, uh, you know, then we start now with like starting Marte and it's like oblique injury. And we're like, well, here it goes. This is, this is what's happening. You know, like we can't be happy, but from <laughs> the off season standpoint, um, I'm for sure pleased with everything that, that Steve Cohen did and this front office did for this team. I mean, it's everything we wanted, all the depth that we needed, um, all the pieces that we've been asking for, we've been getting it. So, uh, I, you know, and, and seeing how all these other teams in, in our division have have reacted, um, I think the Braves are going to be a team to look out for with what they've added. I think the the Phillies probably going to be the worst defensive team in baseball, but mm-hmm. adding, you know, Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos and, you know, potentially making some more moves here. I, I think they're a team to look out for as well. So, you know, as a Mets fan, like I said, I'm super excited for this season. I can't wait to see DeGrom and Scherzer back to back for multiple, you know, weeks this year. It's going to be just so fun to watch. And I think, I, like I said, I think there's some small moves here, and I know there's still some names to be signed. Like we said, free agency is still going on, and baseball literally just started. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see what with this Mets season. But uh, as a Mets fan, like I said, um, super pleased with everything that Steve Cohen and, and this this front office um, has done. And, and, and I also have to say quickly, getting Buckshaw Walter as our manager, mm-hmm. I was super pleased with that. That was the guy I wanted. He's a no-nonsense guy. I think with this young team, with a couple of veterans now, I think he's the perfect, perfect manager. Um, and he's not an analytics-driven guy. He's a guy that we've known blended the field baseball with analytics. Um, so I think he's a perfect, perfect manager for this team uh, going forward. What a time to celebrate, Mr. Young, with that. And the other baseball team, the Yankees, now – a much different offseason. People wanted Korea. You know, I didn't. People wanted Freddie Freeman. People wanted Trevor Story. And none of those guys are in pinstripes. Instead, in definitely the most interesting trade, I think, of the offseason, uh, recency bias aside, or I should say fan bias aside, you had Gary Sanchez and Gio Arcella get traded to Minnesota, and including in that trade is Josh Donaldson, who's going to be our starting third baseman, the 36-year-old former MVP. Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner Falafa. I want to say Falafa. But they're called (laughs) Falafa. A lot of people say Falafa, yeah. Yes, they're (laughs) calling him IKF. He's going to be the new shortstop. A contact hitting. He hit over 215 hits last year. An incredible Gold Coast caliber uh, shortstop there. And then Anthony Rizzo, who I'm personally okay with. He was playing awesome until he had COVID when he came to the Yankees after the trade deadline. Another platinum winning um, glove win, a platinum glove winning caliber player, just incredible yeah. scooping. Doesn't let anything pass him. That really much completes our infield. It looks like Labor Torres will get the. Um, starting second baseman position. But Alex, the one thing that concerns me, and I think this is just the way the times is how the Yankees aren't as obsessed with spending so much money to get these players like they used to. Where there were these deals, Freddie Freeman, it just took apparently... I think it was a difference between a year or two to let him on, but people want to stay away from the long-term contract. You, um, you know, we really didn't invest in anywhere else, you know, 
from factors like the Cole contract and the standing contract. That's one thing, but it seems like the Yankees don't want to spend like they used to under Hal Steinbrenner. Do you think that's the case? Is it over as a Yankee fan for me? I think it is. I do. Having said that, I don't think Cashman is exactly getting the worst stuff out there. He's clearly not being cheap, but he's not, you know, like when the Yankees lost a 0-1 World Series, you get Giambi. You lose the 0-3 World Series, you get A-Rod. After such an embarrassing loss in the wildcard game, you'd think that uh, you'd like to see that side of the Yankees one more time, but it wasn't. They just were playing um, the way they had to play. Do you think that's the case? Um in this, the 2020s, the Yankees are just any other really rich team, but not the rich team. It's tough. Uh, like I said, I felt like, and I'll uh, another time in too on the Yankees and the Mets. Um, it's just that it's like me and you were, were texting each other after the Donaldson trade, and I was like, I feel like there's something coming here. Like, there's definitely a move. Like, I feel like there's. <laughs> something else, right? Like uh, maybe they'll go for Freeman or maybe they'll go Correa or maybe they'll go Trevor story. And that never came. And I was just like, no, nope. it's weird. And then it's like, okay, you, you bring Rizzo back. Fine. See what he has left in the tank. Okay. But are you going to get an arm? You're going to work on your bullpen. You're going to get some, maybe some defensive minded outfielder. It's just like, nothing's there. And it's like, you to run it back with a team that made the wild card. Doesn't make sense. To me, you know, like you have to make some moves to be better than a wild card team. And, you know, I, I think the era of the Yankees spending an astronomical amount of money every offseason is gone. But at the same time, I'm like, if you look at Carlos Correa's deal, and I know the Yankee fans probably didn't want him there, but it's like he had these opt outs, right? Like he's getting paid a ton of money by Minnesota, but they can stink and he can be like, I batted 300 and hit 35 home runs and drove in yeah. all runs. And I'm going to go get my 10 year, $300 million contract by whatever team wants to pay me that now. Right. So it's like, they could have done that with a lot of these guys, not saying they had, could bring in anyone. I know Trevor story took a, a long-term deal, but it's like, I think they offered Freddie money, but it's like, it, I guess the Dodgers offered maybe at the last second, something more. And maybe he thought I could win in LA more than I could win with the Yankees just looking at this roster, it's like the Dodgers roster is loaded. The Yankees roster, not as loaded, you know, it's like, so it, it's weird. It, it, and I understand that some teams want to move away from spending all this money. We saw the Mets do that for 20 years and we get Cohen who wants to spend money, but be smart with spending his money to compete. And that's what I would think the Yankees should have been doing is to be smart with their money. It's not like they have to give these guys 10 year deals left and right. It's like, if we can get Freeman for six years at this amount, Let's do it, and we can get some other pieces that are maybe middle-tier veterans to, you know, help us out. Um, so it, it's just interesting that it's just been such a light offseason for the Yankees. I was expecting one of the big names to be in pinstripes. The fact that none of them are, and one of them is going to a division rival is is very weird. And I, as, as a Yankee fan, I can understand. Or you being a Yankee fan or seeing Yankee fans, I can understand why they're frustrated. You know, there is some pieces here that can be good, and you guys could still win 90 to 100 games. Not saying you can't, but I just, it's weird that you guys were in play, but then you weren't in play, and then you're just not making any kind of these key moves that I would think uh, getting veteran talent on your team. So, um, yeah, like I just said, I, I think the era of them spending a lot of money is gone, or there's something that up their sleeve that we don't know, that they're expecting Soto to hit the market, and that's the guy that they want two years from now <laughs> play right, this game so, again yeah. 
Yeah, and kick something down the can. But again, it's and the last thing is like you can't kick this team down the can. John Carlos not getting any younger, and Aaron Judge is not getting any younger. So you have to be in kind of this win now mode. And the fact that they're not acting like a win now team is just very bizarre of the Yankees right now. That's the only thing I can assume is that this is going to lead to a huge extension for Aaron judge. And I mean, me personally, as my fit, that's my favorite player. And he was one of the few bright spots on the team last year. He's a big deal. We can't win without him. And Please use that money to extend him. Now, Alex Rinellio, to get you involved here with this baseball, um, you're a fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, boy. Yes, I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. After uh, winning the World Series two years ago, then falling short last year, seeing Max Scherzer go to uh, Alex's team, I'm sure that was a tough pill to swallow and must and but you do have Freddie Freeman now. Um, with that, now he's in the same lineup as Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts, and Sir. you know, Turner's still there. Yep, the yeah. how are you feeling yeah, about LA? Hmm? Yeah, just reside Jansen on a one year, too. Um, no, I mean, I, <laughs> I was <laughs> they, they they kill me because. They've got an open checkbook just like the New York markets, and year after year they have some kind of blow or some kind of mishap. Um, the Scherzer, the Scherzer contract definitely had me kind of in fits at the beginning of the offseason. Um, the 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 Corey Seager contract, I mean, I don't know as much as you guys, of course, with baseball, but the intuitions for me tell me that that was probably the best move to let him go. It was just too big a price tag. So I understand him walking. Um and staying out of the division for that matter in the conference. But um, <laughs> I, it just feels, I mean, I, I love the Freeman contracts and I think that he's going to, he's definitely going to, um, you know, replace what we lost with Seager and definitely give us a more dynamic, more consistent um, face um, at bats in the lineup going forward, because I felt like they, not just in the playoffs after the San Francisco um, series, but they just got out to late, late um starts and they were they were constantly in the hole against some of these big big bat teams and you just can't do that in the um in the nl the national league and you especially can't do that in the nl west so um, i'm excited i think they're going to be back to glory a little bit um try to capitalize on the super te- this newest version of the super team but um but mr young i uh, i'm very happy for you guys too because you guys are like the kennedy family of the baseball world it's like every year something bad happens so i'm only praying nothing but nothing but love to you guys i hope nothing suicidal comes your way this year uh, i appreciate that uh, we, need, we need all the good uh, juju in the world because like i said every season we're all excited and then something happens so Hopefully this year is something different. Max Scherzer comes in, maybe it's just like you know something else changes. You know that's all. That's all the moves we needed. Praying for good health, that's for sure. Yep. Yeah. Let me tell you, Alex. If you don't win um, the pennant, then I don't think. Uh, then I think the Mets really are cursed for the rest of your life. Yeah. You have everything. Yeah. Like yeah. everything. There's no. The Wilpons <laughs> aren't running this team anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, we we should be winning the pennant, but uh, it's like. But the Dodgers and, and my dad messages, I, you know, I messages when I'm like, oh, Freeman, you know, it's like, great. He's not with us in the NL East anymore. 
But if we have to make it to the World Series, we most likely have to go through him and the Dodgers for the pennant. And it's just like, but as like we still got, they still got to play the games first. And I'm like, true. I mean, I'm not jumping the gun. Who knows? We could not even make the playoffs. Got knocking on wood right now. But it's just like that team is going to be so hard to play and, and face. And I know back in 2015, that team, the Dodgers team that the Mets ended up beating, was also very, very tough. So. Just adding Freeman and just knowing that he's in the Dodgers and he's just a Met killer is just it's daunting. But at least I have the the the, the little like breath that like I don't have to really worry about anything meaningful until the playoffs. I've been dealing with Freddie Freeman again, so uh, we'll see. But yeah, I, I think this Mets team definitely has to win a pennant and or you know make the World Series over these next few seasons. Otherwise, like you said, it's gonna the Mets fans are cursed if we have Uncle Steve and, and we don't make mm-hmm. the over these next few <laughs> Definitely baseball wants that Dodgers and um, Mets NLCS. And then obviously I want my team to play the winner of that. So got to get that by coastal beauty <laughs> for the sake to show that baseball's not dead. See, we could get people to watch it and also just circling back. Gary Sanchez not being the Yankee anymore. Boy, I've been waiting for this day for two years. He was definitely the most talked about Yankee next uh, in general. Definitely the most talked about Yankee over the past like five seasons since the Baby Bombers came up. Started off so hot, but then got into lazy tendencies. People really, really didn't like him, and he's gone. He's gone. It's just like that person you hate, you just like, I just want this person to leave work or or class and stuff. And they're finally gone. How about Gary Sanchez specifically? Even though we lost an awesome scrappy Yankee in Gio Urshela, Gary Sanchez, no longer New York. How about that? Do you think he could actually win in, or he could actually hit in Minnesota now? Uh, I, I think the changing of scenery might work wonders with Gary Sanchez, but at the same time, his inconsistencies could come back to haunt him again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's an okay move. It's not a pushing the needle move for Minnesota. Uh, but like you said, Gary Sanchez, for some reason, it was like always in the same breath. It was like, if Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole can do this, but if Gary Sanchez can be a consistent hitter, then this team is going to be unstoppable. But then, you never got the consistency where he would have a month or a month and a half where he was electric. And the back to when we saw early Gary Sanchez, where we're like, wow, the baby bombers, this young age team looking like the future. And then he would just bat like 115 in like a month and, and, and have like 50 strikeouts. And everyone's like, what the hell is going on here? So I think him leaving the New York market where there was so much pressure on him could benefit him. But since I have no idea what even his work ethic is and anything like that, and the inconsistencies we can we seen from him, I have no idea what we're going to see in Minnesota. Like I think we might see the streaky hitter, or we can see someone again. And this is probably his like last few chances. If he bats lower than like two twenty, I don't think the Twins are going to keep him around much longer after that. This regardless of how many home runs he might hit. Yeah, and you know, the other thing, the Twins, the first time they ever beat the Yankees in something significant was getting Correa. And, you know, just quickly on that deal, I think it's three years, 103 million with an opt-out after every year. Um, With him, and they also added like Sonny Gray, they have people like Sano coming back. Can Minnesota be the best team in the Central? They could. 
they could, but I, I don't really see it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that division's always like really weird. Um, I think the White Sox are probably going to run away with that one. I like the move that Do- uh, Detroit, sorry, not that I, Detroit made this offseason. I think they could be a sneaky kind of dark horse team. Yeah, we're getting people like um, Tucker Barnhart and Javi Baez. That's significant. Yeah, like I think I think they're definitely a team to look out for. Um, but I think it's the White Sox division to lose just with their young talent and, and what they've had. I know losing Carlos Rodon is not great, but I think they still have enough talent to back that up. Um but I have just no idea what uh, I could I could see from the Twins this year. Uh, you know, it's like it all depends really on Byron Buxton to me and his health and if he can stay healthy. Um, if he can, I think the team's really solid and they rally behind as good of a player as Byron Buxton can be. But again, I just there's just such a weird team that I'm just not looking at them. And then moving on from Donaldson as well, like I just don't see them as a team that really win the division. They could be a fringe wild card team, but I, I don't see them you know, essentially taking taking the reins here and, and running away with the division. I, I think it's going to be the White Sox. Just being the twins. What about Chris Bryant going to the Rockies for a six-year deal? <laughs> I think this is a clear example. I won my ring. I'm really good. Colorado seems like a nice place to live. <laughs> They're confusing. It really, I don't know if you want to chime into on this one, but... That this franchise, and I messaged you that I'm like they're the most confusing franchise um, because it's like I understand Bryant, you get the money, take the bag, they take that deal. I would I would take that deal in RB. but it's like what are the Rockies doing? Because they essentially are getting a, a, a lesser defensive version of Nolan Arenado, who they gave up for nothing. They literally yeah. gave him up for nothing and paid the team to take him. They paid the Cardinals like fifty million to take him. So it's like you're giving this money again for a team that's not going to really compete. Now we lose Trevor's story. So it's like, what what are the Rockies doing? I, I don't understand. And I understand Brian's point. But again, that's another deal where it's like probably three years from now, Brian's probably going to want to want to ask out and like no one's going to want to take that contract. <laughs> and it's just like I have no idea what the Rockies are planning on doing because they literally had a guy like him and they let him go for absolutely nothing. So why give Brian all this money? Uh, it makes no sense to me. It's very confusing. I guess baseball is just weird. Has there been any uh, big moves that have also caught your eye, Renelio, that you are excited to see? Are you see a mute? Alex, Renelio, you're on mute. I'm going to ask to unmute you right now. Oh, my bad. My bad. You <laughs> um, good, because I can run it back because I was muff- I was mudding through all of that. Um, no, I mean, I've been kind of in lockstep following the stories um, as they as they come out with the news. Um, haven't really been as much focused on baseball, just more kind of in a reactionary state. But it's mm-hmm. going to be an shake up i like seeing the new york teams you know solidly back in the race so um that's pretty cool and uh yeah i mean i think the nl west is going to be you know wild again i think say you know san diego's gonna get out to a hot start at the beginning of the year i think san fran's not going anywhere i love their 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 manager over there um it, yeah i mean it's gonna be it's just gonna be another great season i'm just happy that baseball's back all right, excellent stuff. And also just one thing to mention, probably the most one of the more underrated deals. Matt Chapman going to the Blue Jays with that mm-hmm. stack lineup. Yeah. Everyone's waiting for the Blue Jays 
to go off. You know, again, they need more pitching besides uh, Ryu and, um, you know, Robbie Ray came came and uh, made some big moves this season for them last year and uh, ultimately coming up short for, oh no, sorry, he did win the Cy Young, but then he goes to Seattle with a J.C. Winkler. Um, I still think the Blue Jays are going to be a good team this year coming up, but um, yeah, is there any other moves that I've missed, Alex, too? I mean, watch out for Texas with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon um, in that in that uh, midfield in the in the middle of the infield for them. Um, lots of stuff there. Is there any other moves uh, you're really anticipating? Um, I mean, for me, I like Carlos Rodon to San Fran. I think that mm-hmm. makes, like Alex said, the NL West uh, a little bit more exciting, especially with a season that we weren't expecting from the Giants um, last year. Yeah, 100 um, and, games. And now he's going there, and, yeah. and I think they're going to be a pretty solid uh, team going forward. Um, and I like Alex said, I like their manager. I think uh, in, in Gabe Kapler, I think at first when he was in Philly, um, he just didn't really know what he was doing. And I think he's a perfect <laughs> example of like bouncing back and finding the situation that works for him and learning how to be a great uh, MLB manager. And, and we saw that last year with the run that they had. <laughs> Um, I don't, I mean, I, I think the, you know, Seager and Simeon to Texas, I think that's interesting. I, I don't think they're ready to compete yet, but I think going forward with the prospects they have, I think they're a team to, to look out for going forward. Um, I really love the Jesse Winker, the Seattle move. I think mm-hmm. that's a very underrated move. They also get Eugenio Suarez, um, a guy who's struggled offensively the last few seasons in terms of average, but has the power to be a 30 plus home run guy. And we saw Justin Winker have an all-star year last year. And I think the Mariners are gearing up just missing out on the wild card last year and the move they made. It looks like they want to try to make a run for the postseason. And we haven't seen them in the playoffs for a very long time. Yeah, since 2001. They have the one of the longest playoff droughts we've seen. It's all sports. Um, So they look like they're gearing up. They're young. They also added Robbie Ray. They also have a lot of interesting prospects. Jerry Kellen, I can see if he can, you know, he had some showing last year, but not as big of a year as people thought. I think him being in his first official season on the pro level, I think that's something to look out for as a player. Obviously, Kyle Lewis, Mitch Hanniger, and Jesse Winker, uh, those are three guys that are going to be exciting to watch. So, And, you know, you can probably have Jesse Winker be your DH, uh, and that's a great bat to have. So I think that's a move that not a lot of people are talking about uh, with Jesse Winker and your Henry Suarez going to Seattle, but I think Seattle is definitely a team to look out for. Uh, coming into this season may have had a tough loss in football, but their baseball team can give them hope again. But gentlemen, we pretty much hit every major deal in the two large leagues known as the MLB and NFL. Thank you so much for this amazing podcast. And I'm proud of you guys. And I appreciate you as always. Thank you so much, Alex Renelio, Alex Young. You guys have a wonderful night. You too, Matt. Thank you again for having us on. It's always exciting to have us three talking sports, the Hartford connection. Yes, sir. Everything. Looking forward to more sports talk going forward. But again, Matt, thank you. And uh, yeah, this has been a blast. It's been a lot of fun, guys. Enjoy March Madness. Don't lose any sleep over it. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I lo- I gave up after um oh. after the specifically I knew it was over when Kentucky lost in the first yeah. round. Matt Bracken got oh. destroyed. But good thing for St. Peter's, Jersey City. Yes. Uh, Jersey guys here. 
St. Peter's. Keep the run going. Love watching you guys. Keep oh, yeah. Man, my favorite yeah. fact from that. Their I knew basketball I, I knew oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the basketball team wasn't verified on Twitter till they won. It takes them <laughs> to get to the Sweet 16. I was screwed as soon as Iowa lost the first night. I'm like, well, might as well just... <laughs> <laughs> Not that, that is March Madness for everyone. And then right Baylor there. goes down. I'm like, oh, now we're really done. <laughs> yeah, and Duke oh my God. just barely survives to get yeah. to the Sweet 16 winning um, against Michigan State. But all right, guys, let's see how these right. moves pan out. And uh, as we pod throughout the next calendar year, we'll see how accurate we were with this. Or disaccurate, but most of all, charming. That's <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right, have a great day, guys. You too, man. Peace out, man. See you later, Ox. I am so lucky that I have the ability to reach out to talented people like Alex Ranelli and Alex Young to break down these intense and fun things to talk about. Alex and Alex, thank you so much for another incredible appearance talking all things football and baseball free agency. I really think one of these moves that we talked about will be the forefront to start some historic moments in sports. I am so, so, so excited for baseball season this summer and football season in the fall. And football season in the fall. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for another great show. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Back on Thursday, the 24th of March. Switching it up, we're going to talk all things Oscars. We're previewing the Oscars, which takes place this Sunday night on ABC talking the best picture nominations, who's winning the director award, who's winning the acting accolades, who's going to be the best cinematographer, visual effects, talk about all these movies that makes the world of Hollywood love itself and reward itself, but create special memories and inspire so many other filmmakers and content creators. The Oscars are going to have a wonderful wonderful ceremony this Sunday and I have Chris Bailey coming in on Thursday to talk about it with me as we make our Oscar predictions and then a week from today we will react to the winners ultimately so it's going to be a really great show that you do not want to miss and until then make sure you take advantage of the rest of your week be happy you're alive and healthy don't forget to check in on your friends and family and I appreciate every single one of you. And anyone know of any openings in the world of podcasting, broadcasting, and production? Feel free to send those openings my way if there's an opportunity you think I'm a good fit in. I think I can be. Look at this great show that has been growing ever since. mbrown321 to gmail.com is the email to reach me out, to reach out to me. And I hope you have a great middle part of your week. I'll see you all on Thursday. I love each and every single one of you. Thank you for making this show possible. The Productive Nation is king, and you listening to this show are king, queen, or, you know, whatever. You're amazing. 
continue to be it. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I'll see you on Thursday, everybody, talking all things Oscars. See you, everybody. Peace.